Good morning, everyone. Um, I'm excited to share the Advent meditation with you. So um, again, you may want to get your candles ready for after this when, when that will be happening. So here we go. Are we there yet? Anyone who has kids or who's been a kid can relate to this feeling, to this question, right? The Advent theme for this week is journeying. We've covered waiting and accepting. This week it's journeying. And it's a really good theme. And I'm glad it's not the first or the last thing that we focus on, but kind of right smack in the messy middle of Advent. All journeys seem to be, I'm going to say, 20% too long. There's almost always a point where you swear, sometimes literally, that you're never going to get there. Kids aren't wrong for asking. They're just honest. Needs arise and we need to share them. I need to pee. I need a gravel. I need a snack. I need to stop and rest. Our needs get exposed on a journey. And here's another thing about journeys. They come loaded with expectations. We might have an idea about how long it should take to get there. We might even think we know who will be there with us through the excursion and who will meet us at the end. We, we somehow think that if we just plan enough, nothing unexpected will happen. But life teaches us over and over again, journeys are the perfect place for the unexpected. It's not happy surprises like a stunning view or accidentally winning a lottery or finding a great shortcut that throws us off. No, it's the darker than I thought, longer than I thought, harder than I thought that makes it seem impossible. It's breakthroughs that didn't happen and breakdowns and breakups that I never thought could happen that make it so hard. Journeys are rooted in the unexpected. Think about Mary for a moment. The top banana angel comes and invites her on a life-altering journey. And she consents. She says yes, because she gets a revelation of where this is going. Read the Magnificat and put aside the thoughts of a quiet, subservient little mouse woman. Hear the woman of valor and virtue, the prophet, the one who will be full of the fire of the Christ child and yet not consumed. Talk about a powerful woman. And while she said yes to the pregnancy and that excitedly nauseating adventure, she had to know that she was also saying yes to being misunderstood, to being accused of things she had never done never thought and never said. She says yes by faith to something she had never experienced for herself. You wanna know where Jesus learned to say yes to hard things? From the cradle to the cross, look no further than his mom. She made the way for him by walking the journey first. I don't know each of your situations, but I bet almost all of you are on a journey that has thrown you for a loop. Honestly, who in the world isn't right now? I invite you just to take a minute and acknowledge the paths you're navigating right now.
Mary knew that she needed traveling companions to make it through this journey. When she said yes to her pregnancy, she went straight to Joseph and told him the truth about her life, her body, her spiritual experience, and he believed her. Who do we need to tell the truth about our journey? Whose journey do we need to believe even if we can't understand? Next, Mary connected with Elizabeth, who was a few steps ahead of her on this surprise pregnancy journey. Who can you ask to hold space and see what you're going through? Who can you reach out to and say, I've been there, or maybe I haven't been there, but I'll walk with you. We'll make it through together. Or maybe we feel like we're alone. We don't know who to reach out to. Can I remind you of the prodigal story? When the sun was a long way off, he lifted his head and could see the father running towards him to meet him on his journey. I picture the father running so the son could tangibly feel the love in that 20% too long home stretch. The love that had been with the son for the whole journey, even when, when he couldn't see it. And now it was made visible, incarnate, present. If you feel alone, I invite you to just close your eyes and look down the road with your heart. See love running towards you. You're not alone. Our church has begun a new journey. Maybe you kind of expected it, or maybe it's knocked you for a loop. Maybe both. We don't know how it's gonna resolve yet. That can be tough. In this next season for our church, let's keep looking out for ways we can give one another a sense of togethering on the journey. A text, a call, a contactless door drop. Because we have a lot of unknown unknowns ahead of us. And if we're gonna flourish and find the way, it's gonna be best if we journey together. Maybe we'll even be surprised with beautiful vistas and breathtaking views we didn't anticipate. Anything could happen, and it probably will. Together is better. So let's virtually link arms and remember this old proverb as we say yes to whatever journey is in front of us. If you want to get there fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. So if you have your candles handy there and a lighter, we have lit the first and second candles, uh, the waiting and accepting, and we're going to light the third candle as I read this. Either one, it's fine. <clears throat> May your present stage of life be the mighty ground for divine participation.
morning, everyone. I'm going to read chapter 15 from Honest Advent, starting with a bit from Philippians 2. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and he will be called Mighty God. If you live long enough, your life will begin and end with someone wiping your butt. From, from vulnerability to vulnerability we live. That is to say, weakness will be a companion throughout our lives. It will take different forms at various stages of development, but the irony is that it may come full circle at the end with bowel man management. Your life starts as a baby in complete vulnerability. Existence is accomplished only with the help of others. But as you get older, you learn that poop goes in the potty, training wheels need to come off in order to go faster, and the world is much, much larger and more complicated than you could ever imagine. Then puberty hits without your knowing it, and no one tells you that the vulnerability of this time is the complete displacement from everything you've learned about the world, others, and even yourself. Your young adulthood is spattered with vulnerabilities in love, relationships, finances, career, and a sense of who you want to be in the world. But the good news is that you'll probably look the best you've ever looked in your life. Mm. Your 30s and 40s give you a deeper self of sense, but this gift is intertwined with the vulnerabilities of marriages not working out, careers ending abruptly, and life not turning out the way you thought it would. Oh, also when you turn 40, your knees go into retirement. I'm not beyond my 40s, but the vulnerabilities ahead <clears throat> seem to involve the heartbreak of children moving on, the unknown of what happens after retirement, a continued diminishment in physicality, and a growing familiarity with the conversation about your eventual death. I'm aware this is a gross summation of a human life, but it's important to hit on at least some of the highlights when we come to the title of Mighty God. What do we think about when we hear the words Mighty God? Mighty is another word for strength, and there are plenty of stories of the strength of God in the Bible. Strength over the elements and armies and powers. It's not hard to understand how our idea of God can start to resemble a superhero motif. Less spandex and more drapery, mind you, and I think that when most people imagine God, they imagine a kind of Superman version of God. One who's able to conquer the enemies, cast out the evil spirits, and make more wine for the party in a single blow. But if Jesus is a vision of the invisible Almighty, what does his incarnation tell us about a mighty God? Is mighty referring to his physicality, personality, spirituality? I know there's one story where Jesus knocks over some tables. But you don't see mightiness embodied in physicality very much in his story. In fact, the opposite is often true. The images of one who is a suffering servant, who is led like a lamb, sorry, who is like a lamb being led to slaughter, who is obedient to death, as Paul writes to the Philippian believers. 
because mightiness isn't necessarily something that physically overcomes so much as it is the strength to go on, to go through. Most superhero stories end with powerful heroes fighting, punching, and kicking other powerful foes into submission to bring about and end something terrible. Granted, the terrible forces of comic books are mostly giant lasers or planet-eating giants, which is not exactly real life. The motif is built on weightlifters with amazing hair who look awesome in colorful spandex outfits. But I ran across a comic book once that did not go this way. It's called Superman, Peace on Earth. And in it, the writer and illustrator Alex Ross shows Superman attempting to solve world hunger, a problem applicable to today. It is a long story and, spoiler alert, Superman cannot solve world hunger. The problem is not his strength or his physicality. The problem is not that there isn't enough food or a way to get it to people. The problem is the greed in selfish human hearts and Superman, even with all his strength, cannot overcome the human heart with his bulging muscles. If Jesus embodied mightiness through an overcoming through physicality, he would have appeared in a golden onesie ripped like a CrossFit trainer, kicking the can of anyone in his way. But instead, we find a humble servant wrapped in human vulnerability who is obedient to that vulnerability all the way to death, even if it happened to be death on a cross. Jesus is mighty not because of his capacity to overcome hardship, but because of his willingness to go through human hardship like we have to do. I'm just going to read that one more time because it's really good. Jesus is mighty not because of his capacity to overcome hardship, but because of his willingness to go through human hardship like we have to do. It is this compassionate empathy that has the power to transform the human heart. How does God restore what it loves? By being with what God loves. How does love defeat its enemy, death? By accepting it and going through it. How does God show itself to be mighty? God humbles itself and owns being human. God accepts the humility and weakness of being born. God accepts the humility and vulnerability of eventually dying. And it is this mighty ground that God saves the world through. Could it be that doorway to experiencing God with us this Advent is a particular vulnerability we find ourselves facing? Whether it's in health, heart, or home, our lives will always have a particular vulnerability to them, from butt wiping to butt wiping. May we not see this vulnerability as the place of failure because of our inability to overcome it, but as the very invitation to partner with mighty God through it. May your present stage of life be the mighty ground for divine participation. I'm just going to pray for Sarah. She speaks this morning. So, Lord, I just pray your blessing on Sarah as she shares with us what you've given her. And I pray that you would just show us your light and your life and your love through what she has to share with us. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Alrighty. Good morning. Um, it's nice to see some faces. I am going to cover them up so I can't see you while I'm talking. Okay. 
No, mostly so I can't see me when I'm talking. You guys are lovely. Um, this morning, this our theme is journeying. This week, I had to go to Delta for a medical appointment, and I plugged the directions into Google Maps, and it gave four different options. What do you say, routes or routes? What's the? Give me a consensus. Which one is it? Routes. 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 Okay. Christine is saying roots. Okay, we'll go with that. Cool. Thank you. Um, there's always this bit of a language barrier. I don't know. Some words have a, you know, doesn't quite work. So anyway, roots it is. So if I say that wrong, it's fine. I'm sorry. Um, I chose the quickest one that would get us there and we did get there on time. It was a fairly boring drive down Highway 1 and then Highway 17, but it was efficient. On the way home, though, Google had other plans and took us off in a different direction altogether. I was expecting to retrace our steps and it didn't. It went sort of that way. And then I was like, oh, heck, where is it going? Um, however, it did go past a Starbucks, so I wasn't entirely mad at it. And it did get us home in the end. There are often options for the ways that we get to take. And I guess that's just how journeys are. There's a Spanish poet called Antonio Machado who wrote uh, in Spanish which I can't read, but translated in English says, Wanderer, your footsteps are the road and nothing more. Wanderer, there is no road. The road is made by walking. By walking, one makes the road, and upon glancing behind, one sees the path that will never be trod again. At certain times of year, we are kind of like those wanderers that the poet describes, who are making roads as we walk. But this is a season with a destination in mind. For Advent, the destination is the birth of Jesus and the coming of Emmanuel. We're waiting for Christmas through the season of Advent, which means coming. Advent itself is a journey where the Creator takes a step into human flesh and comes to meet us. There are lots of different routes that will get us to the end of Advent, because there are many, many ways to enter into this season. In this very weird year, you might feel like you're just kind of scratching the surface of it, or maybe you haven't even lent into it at all yet. But I want to encourage you to set your heart and mind on it, at least for, the, for a little while, and join me on a journey to the manger. As we think about the destination of the birth of Christ, we could talk about Honest Advent. So cool. Um, who's reading it? Are you loving it? Excellent book. Um, what's been your top takeaway so far? Maybe just write in the chat. Your top takeaway. For me, I'm just, I'm really enjoying the reflections and the readings that everybody's doing um, and the vulnerability that I'm seeing in people as they share their, their parts of the story. Um, and I love the freshness and the surprising honesty in the way that Scott presents the story in both artwork and words. And your reflections are just added to that. Because it can be a little bit repetitive to tell the same story over and over again. There's a kid's book that is called The Same Old Story. And it's the kids are just revolting because they're just like, I don't want to tell the story again. It's boring. But day by day, Scott is using the humanity of Mary and the vulnerability of Jesus to lead us to the baby who was born in a manger. Another route I thought of to take um, was to talk about one of my favorite all time books. Um, it's called The Christmas Mystery. It's this one. By Justine Garder. If you've uh, if you've never read it. I can highly recommend it. I've read it multiple times. It takes a story through Advent and it takes one chapter a day. It tells two stories at once. Um, one of a little boy called Joachim, who is a Norwegian boy who's given an old, potentially magic, but definitely mysterious Advent calendar by a shopkeeper. 
and then the other story is hidden inside of the pages so when he opens when he opens the doors each day a little piece of paper falls out he unfolds it and the story is inside and the story inside is about a little girl called elizabeth who starts um in a in a department store with her mother in norway and then she, uh, one of the lambs in the store a toy lamb springs to life and she chases it and she starts chasing this lamb down through europe and down through history and the first character she meets is an angel called ethereal and i'll just tell you what ethereal how ethereal explains it to her um, and explains what's going on so he says to he says to elizabeth sit down you deserve a short rest and there's something important i have to tell you about our journey to bethlehem elizabeth sat down and looked at the angel now tell me exactly where we are going my dear asked the angel to bethlehem replied elizabeth and what are we going to do there we're going to stroke the lamb i suppose she said the angel nodded and we'll also welcome the baby jesus into the world he was called god god's lamb because he was just as kind and innocent as the lamb's fleece is soft we have to travel two thousand years backwards in time to the moment when jesus was born elizabeth put her hands to her mouth but it's impossible to travel backwards in time she said not at all said ethereal for nothing is impossible for god at this time of year as followers of jesus a small part of our attention is turned towards bethlehem and the birth of christ i mean to be honest it's not all of it because there's a lot going on but literally traveling back in time is a little bit beyond us at this point we can travel there in our minds and like elizabeth does at the end we can go in and meet the christ child there when i first read this book i i kind of had this idea that this was a season that for me was about going back to the beginning starting fresh and coming to this new year with a uh, just a sense to recommit to the journey of following jesus through it and i'm trying to put at least some of my focus on that journey again even in this year scott's book is helping other books are helping songs even decorating they're all helping just to keep me on that path maybe um, maybe for me it's just that i get to tell the story every year to somebody who's never heard it before like the freshness of telling it to a kid who goes really that's amazing i love this time of year advent is truly my favorite season it feels fresh and new and full of potential but it is harder this year than in previous years because 2020. this year there are bigger things that are consuming us big picture things and world events tragedies and pandemics restrictions and potential and now actually actual vaccines and maybe even a light at the end of the tunnel but underneath all of that, there is this simple story running in the background that's been told over and over and over for 2000 years. And we are invited to put our attention on that story as well. So thinking of Bethlehem, there is a, there is a line in a little town of Bethlehem that stands out to me in relation to the pressing concerns of 2020. So the verse goes, O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light, and here comes the line, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. The hopes and fears of all the years, and this year has had its fill of hopes and fears, and 2021 is looking like it might just go that way too. So excuse the language, but I just wanna share this with you. We're on a multiple meme morning.
you a second to read that. Think it's cute that we're all pretending shit we're back to normal on January 21? January 1, 2021? I love that for us. We had this kind of, we keep saying 2020 is terrible. Like, yeah, might, that might not be the half of it. We'll see. So let's just pause for a moment. And as the line in the song goes, the hopes and fears of all the years, so that includes 2020 and 2021, are met in thee tonight. So just think for a moment about your biggest hope. What is your biggest hope as you look forward? And if you can even go there, think about your biggest fear. And if you want to share them, go ahead and hit the chat. No pressure to do so, but if you want to, um, that's a way you can kind of participate right now. But the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Jesus has to be the answer. The kingdom of God coming on earth and what we learned that that looks like as we went through the Beatitudes has to be the answer. I have said it multiple times, and I'm going to say it again, that our hope has to be in him, not in any chosen by us outcome. Not in any particular hope, but in the one who is our hope. And we have to hold hope lightly in our hands, trusting the one who is our hope, period. And what a fear. Well, the counter of fear is love. And Jesus is love with a capital L. So the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight is such a great line. I'm so glad somebody wrote it so we could sing it. I just wish that we all believed it. I pray that we would have the courage to take all our hopes and fears to the manger and meet him there. It's really hard to talk about journeys today with everything being so shut down. Physical journeys to visit people and places are off the table right now. I, I actually haven't traveled home for Christmas uh, since my early 20s. It wasn't my regular pattern from university onwards. And then I started working for a church and it became something I couldn't do because I was working. And then I made it worse by moving a whole ocean and a continent away. And so it's really not my normal to travel home. But there is something really weird that goes off in your head when you know that you can't. Even if you weren't going to anyway, you just go, oh, that would be so great. That would be amazing. Like, I'd never do it. Like, what's my problem? Anyway, you know what I mean, right? We're kind of weird that way. Just somebody says you can't and you really want to. So if you have cancelled plans and journeys that won't be happening this year, I am really sorry. It truly sucks. This is a hard season. And I'm sure because we are resilient people, we will make the best of it. But it still sucks. This is a hard, hard season. Back in the summer, they kept saying, if we do this now, we might save Christmas. But it didn't happen. Christmas as we knew it in the olden days, you know, back in 2019, and all that was not saved. And what we have this year is gonna look very different to normal. For some people, that's gonna be actually a relief because the burden of strained family gatherings is lifted. But for others, it's just gonna suck. It's really hard. So as Karina said already, let's be kind to each other. Let's all just go the extra and reach out to those we need to. Let's be there for each other, even if it has to be at a distance. Do you know it's nine months exactly since we got a call from the school saying you can't meet this weekend like it was the 13th of march and here we are the 13th of december 
Um, so it's been nine months since we were seriously impacted by this. And I'm sure we can keep going, but like Karina said, all journeys feel like they're 20% too long. And I hear myself groan, are we nearly there yet? If you are struggling, please wave a flag. Please tell someone, throw up a flare, do whatever you need to do to make contact with someone. Get help, talk to someone. You are not walking this path on your own, even though it might feel like you are. Because this is a journey that we are all on. This is a path that none of us would have chosen, but it is what it is. So let's do what we can to walk alongside of each other. Because that's the other part of hope. So we have hope in this hand. This hand is acceptance. You need to have a healthy dose of, dose of both to balance everything out. It is what it is, acceptance, but we hope for it to get better. Hope. So back to the story underpinning the season. I am committed to walking the path of following Jesus. And this time of year reminds me again that I need to find myself metaphorically on my knees at the feed trough. I need to find myself committing again to walking this year following him as best as I can, bringing all my hopes and fears with me. I like that Jesus said, follow me, that it was a journey for him too, that it wasn't like, okay, you've met me, good job, you're good, see you in heaven, so long. But actually it was a come follow me. And he invites us to walk with him and we get to do this together. We get to do it together today, tomorrow, the rest of this year and into the next. Journeys take twists and turns. As we walk together, sometimes it's easy and sometimes it isn't. Sometimes there is movement and other times might be still and settled. In some ways, this year has actually been a lot of enforced stillness as we've been shut down from travel and restricted to our homes at times. But in other ways, there has been so much movement and change and enforced growth as we've had to explore different ways of doing things that were no brainers before. Like it actually, it's been a big stretch for our brains to just go, okay, so we can't do that like we'd normally do. So how are we gonna do it? When there is enough distance from this time, we might possibly see that the journey has had a forward trajectory. I don't know, maybe it will. It's really hard to see when you're in the middle of a journey. It's really hard to see if we've moved when you were actually in the thick of it. And we find ourselves in the middle today. During the season of Advent, in the middle of the journey that we are on, 2020, 2021, I've been trying to keep my eyes on the road to Bethlehem and the birth of the Christ child. There are multiple journeys in the Christmas story. We, in kids, we talked about the journey that Joseph took. Um, just before the birth of Jesus, Joseph led his family on a journey. Around the time of Elizabeth's amazing pregnancy and John's birth, the emperor in Rome, Caesar Augustus, required everyone in the Roman Empire to participate in a massive census. The first census since Quirinius had become governor of Syria, by the way. Each person had to go to his or her ancestral city to be counted. Mary's fiancé Joseph, from Nazareth in Galilee, had to participate in the census in the same way everyone else did, because he was a descendant of King David. His ancestral city was Bethlehem, David's birthplace. Mary, who was now late in her pregnancy, um, that the messenger Gabriel had predicted, accompanied Joseph. While in Bethlehem, she went into labour and gave birth to her firstborn son, and we all know who that was. A journey of any length is surely not pleasant for a pregnant woman. There's probably a reason they don't let you fly after six months. It was 145 kilometres between Nazareth and Bethlehem. That is not a short walk. That is not a short walk to the next town. That's a long journey. As Scott says in the chapter that he read for us this week, Assumptions, it's assumed that Mary rode a donkey, but the Bible doesn't say she did. 
whether she had the luxury of a donkey i mean is that a luxury i don't know um or maybe she had a cart like maybe maybe the donkey pulled a cart and she got on the back and they walked that way or maybe she walked the whole way on foot whatever way she got there it definitely wasn't by car or luxury ambulance or anything else and it for sure wasn't an easy journey to make it must have been a very difficult journey but I can just imagine all of heaven cheering them on. There's a line in the second verse of A Little Town of Bethlehem that says, while mortals sleep, the angels keep their watch of wandering love. All of heaven was pretty invested in the baby that she was carrying. The creator of everything was being carried on this perilous journey to a small town where it had been prophesied that he would be born. Joseph and Mary had to make their journeys just like we have to make ours. But the story of the difficult journey that Mary made carrying the Saviour is an encouragement to us to keep going because we too carry the Saviour with us. We can keep travelling knowing that all of heaven is cheering us on too. If you're quiet, you can hear them. We all keep journeying knowing that if God is for us, who can be against us? Whoever it was that wrote Hebrews says at the start of chapter 12, since we stand surrounded by all those who have gone before, like Mary and Joseph and many, many others, since we are surrounded by all those who have gone before, an enormous cloud of witnesses, let us drop every extra weight, every sin that clings to us and slackens our pace, and let us run with endurance the long race set before us. And I've highlighted, now stay focused on Jesus, who designed and perfected our faith. He endured the cross and ignored the shame of that death because he focused on the joy that was set before him. And now he's seated beside God on the throne, a place of honour. Consider the life of the one who endured such personal attacks and hostility from sinners so that you will not grow weary or lose heart. Because even though the streets are dark and the way is long and the road is freaking hard, there is an everlasting light shining in a stable. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. So as I wrap this up, let's just imagine together that we're standing at the stable door with all our hopes and fears, like you have them in your pockets. You have hopes in one and fears in the other. And I'm going to finish by reading the Christmas mystery that I told you about at the start. This is the last piece of paper from the advent calendar that Joachim opens on December 24th. Elizabeth has travelled down from Norway to Bethlehem and backwards through, her, through history too and met the characters of the Christmas story on the way who've joined her on the pilgrimage to meet the Christ child at his birth. And so this is the last bit, it's called the Christ child. It's the middle of the world between Europe, Asia and Africa. It's the middle of history between at the beginning of our era and soon it will be the middle of the night as well. A silent crowd is stealing upwards between the houses in Bethlehem. They are a little flock of seven sheep, four shepherds, five angels, three kings of Orient, one Roman emperor and the governor of Syria and Elizabeth from a long narrow country below the North Pole. The weak glow of oil lamps is streaming from the windows in a few of the simple houses, but most people in the old town have gone to bed for the night and just picture yourself standing there with that little crowd of people. One of the wise men points up at the sky where the stars are burning in the darkness. They are like sparks from a beacon far away. One star is shining more brightly than all the other stars in the sky. It looks as if it's hanging a little lower in the sky as well. O oh, little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. 
Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by, murmurs Elizabeth softly, remembering an old carol. The angel imperial turns to the others, puts a finger to his lips and whispers, whispers, hush, hush. The procession of pilgrims gathers in front of one of the inns of the town. In a moment or two, the innkeeper appears at the window. When he sees the group outside, he nods firmly and points to a cave in the wall of, a rock, of the rock. The angel of Furial whispers something. It sounds like the words of a nursery rhyme. And while they were there, the time came for her child to be born. And she gave birth to her son, her firstborn. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. They creep together across the yard and stop in front of the cave. The smell from it tells them that this is a stable. Suddenly, the silence is broken by the cry of a child. It is happening now. It is happening in a stable in Bethlehem. Over the stable, a star is twinkling. Inside the stable, the newborn child is wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in the manger. This is a meeting of heaven and earth. For the child in the manger is also a spark from the great beacon behind those weak lanterns in the sky. This is the wonder. It's the wonder every time a new child comes into the world. This is how it is when the world is created anew under heaven. A woman is breathing deeply and weeping, not out of sadness. Mary is weeping quietly, deeply and happily. But the child's cries drown out Mary. The Christ child is born. He's been born in a stable in Bethlehem. He has come to our miserable world. The angel of Furiel turns solemnly to the other pilgrims and says, Unto you is born this day in the city of David, a saviour. The Emperor Augustus nods. And now it's our turn, he says. Everyone is to take up their places. Everyone must remember their lines. We have rehearsed this for almost 2,000 years. Quirinius speaks at a sign from the Emperor. Shepherds, take your flock out into the fields and never forget to be good shepherds. Wise men, depart to the desert and mount your camels, each one of you. May you never cease to read the stars in the sky. Angels, fly high above the clouds, all of you. Do not reveal yourselves to people on earth unless it's absolutely necessary. And never forget to say, fear not, for now Jesus is born. The next moment, all the shepherds and the sheep, the angels and the wise men had vanished. Elizabeth was left alone with Quirinius and the Emperor Augustus. I must hurry home to Damascus, said Quirinius. I have an important role to play there. And I must go back to Rome, said Augustus. That is my role. Before they went, Elizabeth pointed to the stable and asked, Do you think I may go in? The emperor smiled at her from ear to ear. Of course you are to go in. That is your role. And he says it to us too. Of course you are to go in. That is your role. You haven't come all this long way just to hang about. And with those words, the two Romans started running back along the way they had come. Elizabeth looked up at the starry sky. She had to tilt her head far back to see the big star which was shining so brightly. Again, she heard the cry of the child from inside the cave. And so she went into the stable. May this Christmas be a time where we find ourselves at the stable with our hopes and fears of all the years that are met in him tonight. Our role is to enter into the season, keeping our eyes on him and trusting his way as we follow Jesus on the next part of our journey, whatever that may be. So let's pray. God of heaven, I am so thankful for this season. 
for Advent that tells again the story of your coming. Today I bring you my hopes. Tell him what your hopes are. Right here and now, God, I bring you my fears. Tell him what your fears are. Because I believe that line in the carol, God, that says the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. So I put them down before you and I worship you. Give me the grace I need to follow you into this coming year. Amen.